Hi, folks. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so excited that you're lending us your ears for the next hour. So I'm Jamie. I use he, him pronouns. And you're listening to the Proper Full On Gay podcast, that show where we talk about Heartstopper with the UK and Ireland's leading queer youth organisations. Thanks so much for tuning in. I've got an absolutely super guest with me today. I'm really delighted to welcome back Paula from LGBT Youth Scotland. Hi, Paula. Hi, it's really nice to be back. I'm excited to get stuck into all things Heartstopper again. Oh, I know. It's so addictive. What were your thoughts about season one? Like, are you addicted to season, not season one? Oh my God, this is like all over the place. I did enjoy season one. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of season two? Did you enjoy season two? I really enjoyed it. I felt like we got more like depth and richness to some of the characters and really got to know them better and felt they brought up some really serious issues in a really beautiful way. Oh, they definitely did. They definitely did. Listeners, if you'd like to get in touch to tell us what you think of season two, you can reach out via our Instagram page, which is at Proper Fulange Podcast. You can hit that subscribe button on your device right now. Just take a wee glance down. It only takes a few seconds and it doesn't cost you anything. It makes such a huge difference in helping other Heartstopper super fans find the show and discover this great content. For people who maybe haven't tuned in before or who can't remember LGBT of Scotland, why don't you tell us a little bit about the organisation? So LGBT of Scotland's national charity for LGBTQ plus young people aged 13 to 25 and our mission is to make Scotland a place where LGBTQ plus young people can flourish and thrive um, at home and the places that they work, live and learn. Um, so we run youth groups, we provide one-to-one support and I'm the digital youth work manager so I do things like run live chat sessions and digital groups. We've also got programmes that support professionals to make their services more inclusive for LGBTQ plus people. Oh, it's so you guys do so much. We get about, we get about. What are the highlights for you working for an organisation like LGBT Youth Scotland? What are some of the highs and lows? Well, I guess some of the highs is, you know, if you ever have a chance to do group work to like run LGBT youth groups, you get to see young people experience what Elle experienced in this episode, which is that recognition, that moment of feeling normal of being around. Yeah. You to really get it and making lifelong lasting friendships. And that's a really powerful thing. We recently, um, we did our, every year we do an annual youth work survey to understand a bit more of the impact that we're having on young people's lives. And 92%, we had a hundred young people respond and 92% of them said that being part of LGBT youth meant they'd made more friends and felt more part of the community. Oh, that's lovely. And that's everything. Like, I think that's such a powerful, like, sense of what we're achieving. That if young people are making friends through our service, that's kind of enough for me. We do other things as well. But like yeah. that on the phone is just so impactful. Having friendship and love in your life is it's so important. Huge. Having a healthy lifestyle, not having friends is so incredibly lonely. Um, or, and not having friends who understand you is so incredibly lonely. So I love watching that and I love um, you know, being able to support young people like through our live chat service. We get lots of young people coming to live chat who are maybe questioning their identity and they're not sure who they are as we see Nick in season one right like really being like what's going on how do I identify and it's such a privilege of supporting young people to gain a better understanding of themselves and of course the hard bits are when you see young people go through hard things so when someone does come out to their family and it doesn't go well um, or they have an experience of being picked on at school that stuff's hard because we don't want we never want our young people to suffer Um, but we also want to be there for them and be able to support them when they do. Oh, that's so nice. Today we're here to talk about our top moments from episode two. But just before we do that, we've got a couple of content warnings. Firstly, our our conversation is going to touch on themes to do with relationship abuse and domestic violence. 
um, disordered eating, homophobic bullying, and a few different experiences of trauma. Are there any others, Paula, that you can think of? I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, I think you've covered the main ones there. I'll let you know just before we kind of get to that part of the show so that you can fast forward if you don't want to listen. Fast forward, that's a really retro term, isn't it? What would young people say? Maybe skip? Oh, I have no idea. Skip skip probably sounds right. But I think there were some interesting, like... um, nods for elder gays in this episode mm. there's tegan and sarah in there i don't know if you clocked that so i think oh, could... i didn't you did there is yeah they play tegan and sarah a few times <laughs> so i think for the for those of us who remember the tape recorder we can go with fast forward this episode soundtrack just seemed totally incredible i loved everything about this episode soundtrack yeah the music i mean i only noticed the tegan and sarah because i was like I had a big, I had a big reaction. It was a big, like nostalgia moment. But yeah, the music in general, I think, is great. Um, yeah, I love it. This this episode, it just seemed particular. Maybe it's because I watched this in, um, like we prepared in a bit of a hurry, so it was quite an intense experience preparing and <laughs> writing the show notes. Maybe it was just because of that. But I, I thought like all of the songs were like just so in tune with what the episode was about, yeah. and those no. kind of key moments they really added that kind of emotional depth almost. They really um, think about the music. Yeah, they definitely do. But anyway, let's get stuck into the episode. As usual, we picked out our top moments. We're going to run through them in the order that they come up in the show. We can't possibly talk about everything because we'd be here for hours, but we're going to cover most things, I think, most of the important stuff. And But anyway, this episode's called Family. We open up the show with Charlie and his parents at a parent-teacher's afternoon. I really enjoyed this scene. This opening sequence I thought was really, really good. We learned so much about the characters, like Pertao struggling with his art coursework. That definitely wasn't a surprise. <laughs> I thought his fish were amazing. I don't know what Mr. Ishe was talking about. I Just thought nonsense. his fish were really Pertau. good. Yeah, I know. He gets a hard time. Ben is also doing an amazing job. He looks so smug, didn't he? Mm, no comment (laughs) (laughs) him and his parents he was so happy to get good um, feedback from his teachers sometimes people that are are kind of a bit um I want to use the word asshole-ish I don't know if I'm allowed to use that word (laughs) it's your your podcast Jamie they're really skilled at like pulling the wool over people's eyes and coming across as being like so charming and lovely but actually people like people like that are much worse than people that are just horrible to everyone yes yeah it's more devious yeah that's it nick's also on course to do well in his gcses i absolutely loved olivia coleman in these scenes she just looked so she was so glowing like she was glowing and so smiley like she was genuinely like so smiley it was great there's so much love comes across so clear that she loves her son and olivia coleman is such a great actress i always forget she's in everything yeah. Every time I see her in something, I'm like, she's here again. <laughs> yes, she's, she's amazing in this. She's yeah, great. she really is. Charlie's been a little bit distracted and some of his coursework's late. His parents get a bit of mixed feedback about how he's doing. Should we have a listen to what they think about that? Let's. So, your coursework essay. It's fine, I'll get it done. Yeah, but it's not just that, is it? I know getting your first boyfriend is very exciting, but... What? It's not Nick's fault. Charlie! You've been going round each other's houses almost every day for weeks, Charlie. It's no wonder you haven't done your coursework. I've still got a few weeks to finish it. Well, I think you and Nick need to spend some time apart. That's not fair! We are not banning you from seeing each other completely. No, it needs to be a complete ban. Until this coursework essay is handed in, 
Nick is not allowed around our house and you are not allowed around his. What did you think about that moment? Yeah, I think well, it was one of the things that I was reflecting most on being young people like finishing up school and like, moving on to the next stage of their lives. And I think this was interesting to me because it sort of illustrated how parents react to that process. Because at this point, Charlie probably really needs, or in my opinion, really needs some freedom to make a mistake, get something wrong, and realise that actually, yes, it's great to be in a relationship, but you still have to do your work as well. And his parents can't, they can't quite let him make that, like, you know, make that mistake on his own. So they're very much like stepping in with like quite like a heavy-handed approach. Yes. We're not allowed to ever see him again. And you can see what they're still, they're probably very loving parents who just really want their child to do well at school and they know how important that is. But it's a bit, it is a bit of an overreaction. Yeah, his mum comes across as being a bit of a villain in this episode. And here she's very strict. We do see her stricter side. Um, But at the same time, Charlie hasn't been doing what he needs to be doing. You know, like he's in, I think if Nick is doing his GCSEs, Charlie's the year before him. So he's in like, we would say fourth year, at least my generation would say fourth year, which is probably, um, I don't know, like year 10 or 11, year 11. Who I'm knows? Scottish, it's all alien to me. I don't know. <laughs> Just words. <laughs> yeah. So although this isn't really like a hugely important school year for Charlie, like the exams that he's going to sit aren't hugely important. It's still an important time, I guess. So yeah, I kind of feel like as a parent, I can be kind of straddle the fence. You know, I don't know how I would react if that was one of my kids. But they do immediately assume that this has to do with Nick and they don't ask or check in about anything else. That's true. You're right. They don't they don't explore. They do, they, you're right. There's a real assumption there. Yeah. This is because of a new relationship. Whereas actually, as we, as we see as the series goes on, there's an awful lot going on for Charlie in terms of what he's processing and experiencing. So yeah, it could be a lot of different things that are actually affecting his coursework. So you're right. They could do a bit more like sensitive inquiry. Yeah. and talking to him about what's the problem and how can we together try to come up with a solution. Yeah, for sure. Whenever Charlie gets home, him and Nick exchange some messages. They joke that the universe is trying to pull them apart and about running off to Paris together. Yeah. I love the little detail that whenever Charlie started to say that he was sorry, he started to apologize, which is so true to form. He deleted it and changed yeah. it to angry. It's like he's finally expressing what he really feels like he understands yeah. actually I'm not sorry I'm angry you know what I mean it's it, it was really nice and that's definitely something that Nick is supporting him to do in terms of and that'll come up later you know in terms of challenging him like you're not yes. to blame for everything like you might have other feelings and Charlie's real like people pleasing challenges that he has are really addressed to this relationship which is actually just lovely to watch Definitely, definitely. And just the fact that they're texting each other and being so open about how they feel is really lovely too. It's like a real, um, it just shows how healthy their relationship is, that they're able to openly communicate with each other. And I know that that comes up again a few times in the episode as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Should we move on to our next moment? Let's do it. I love this next moment because we get to meet a brand new character for the first time. Sahar, yes. such a great addition to the cast. We get to, we hardly see her in the season at all, which I was a bit disappointed about. But here we find out that there's going to be a Heartstopper prom, which is also really Bye. nice. I know, so much fun. <laughs> Let's listen to their conversation. Have you heard? Year 11 prom is happening. Oh my God, prom. I'm so excited. <laughs> You could totally wear a suit. You look amazing. You mean we can't be Fiona and Shrek? <laughs> it's prom, not Halloween. Hey, are you guys talking about the prom? Yeah. Oh, so Miss Greenwood's put me in charge of organising it, and I'm kind of looking for some help. 
I'm really excited, but I don't think I can do this alone. Oh, my God, yes! I'm so in. Do you want to meet with us for lunch? We can start making a mood board. I mean, yeah, I've got some ideas already. I'm thinking classic. Great, that's no, seems a great idea. No, so we can say. <laughs> but then we the blue just... will make like everyone's outfits look like amazing. Personally, like... I think that prom should be pirate themed. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sahar's already decided that we're doing a classic prom theme. But if I could bring a sword to prom, I'm totally up for it. No. <laughs> It's a cute moment to meet Sahar for the first time. She already seems like she's got this really close friendship bond with the rest of the people that she's with. Yeah, I think what I really loved about this moment was being able to just see queer young people going through these social rituals as their authentic selves. So like having the chance to go to prom with your girlfriend is so, yeah. I find that really powerful to watch because for so many generations, that's quite a big thing that they missed out on, the chance to do like, those things. Like go at your school dance, be surrounded by your peers with the person that you care about. Um, so that was just really nice to see. And Heart Server has that function of kind of presenting a bit of a like fairy tale or like this like beautiful story of like what life could can be. Yeah. Um, I just really enjoyed that. It was. It was lovely to watch. It was really nice. It's really nice. It's a great story arc, actually. I wonder if there's an exciting future with Sahar. Like, are we going to see a different type of story arc develop? Yeah. Mm, maybe. Uh, let's have a listen to how their conversation continues. Tao wants to meet up tonight. Oh, my God. Say yes. No. Oh, you need to put some distance between you. You can make your move. This is your chance. Wait, there's a boy. There is a boy. But Elle told us she wanted to get over it. He's my best friend, and... Give me your phone. I was in a bit Guys, <laughs> it's fine. I'm going to the open evening tonight anyway, so I can't. Okay. Mike's feelings about this story arc. Tao is still trying to figure out how he feels and understand kind of what's happening. Elle interprets that, um, that response as him not being interested I I just oh uh, I just wanted like a fairy tale romance for them. You have to have the friction first. Yeah, I quite and I quite I know you can say you like I quite like this. I liked the like her reluctance, almost that sense of you know Elle's told how what she feels about him, and he didn't have that immediate. Yeah, I like you back response. So she's going into I guess I see kind of two things. I see her going into quite like a self preservation mode where she doesn't oh, really want to believe that this could become something or put herself out there. Um, but I also see there's so much tension as the episode progresses for Elle between the life that she has now with her schoolmates and her friends and being with Tao and the life that she might be working towards, like going to art college and becoming something new, becoming the next, you know, the next stage of life. And that's why I felt like this episode was so like transitional in terms of the characters transitioning from now into whatever the future is going to look like. Oh, definitely, definitely. And that kind of conflict that she feels really comes across almost from Tara and Darcy, like they're speaking her thoughts. On one side, she's <laughs> conflicted that, you know, she's totally falling for Tao. But on the other hand, uh, she needs to protect herself, that she just wants to protect does. herself from that hurt. Yeah, We get that a few times in the season where characters almost verbalize the thoughts of another character that they're in a scene with. And it's just, it's really nice, actually. I really like how they've approached that side of the script. This is one of those moments. And I think we get another one later on. We get another one later on. Yeah. Should we move on to our next bit? Let's do it. This one's a bit of a tense moment between Nick and Ben. Um, Nick mm. is in the study hall. He's, he happens to be sharing a desk with Ben in study hall as they prepare for their GCSEs. 
And Charlie pops in with a, an excuse for a quick chat because he hasn't seen Nick all day. It's such a cute little detail. So adorable. Yeah, just the, the young love, those like desires, just like capture a moment with your person. Like it was very sweet. I know it really is. I like that during the conversation, he checks in with Nick about his brother in an earlier scene. They exchange messages about Nick's brother and it's nice that Charlie remembers that and he checks in with them you know like Charlie's he's paying attention to what's happening in Nick's life you know it's another sign that this is a really healthy relationship also a sign that Charlie might feel a bit of anxiety about that about what's happening to Nick at home when Nick sits back down an exchange with Ben gets them both sent into isolation let's have a listen I see he's still as desperate as ever Told you not to talk about him. God, you hate me so much. It's not my fault you liked me before you. I hate you because you literally assaulted him. I told you my rules. Now you're in here till the end of the day. I don't particularly care if you fail your maths GCSE on Monday, but I ain't gonna let you disrupt everyone else's study time. Fix up, man. That was just a misunderstanding. It wasn't, though. I was going through some personal stuff. I don't care. You hurt him, and who knows if you do the same with Imogen? Do you even like her? Sorry, am I not allowed to like girls as well as boys? Does Charlie know you don't want to come out? I do want to come out. Right. I'll believe that when I see it. Charlie thinks you're this perfect boyfriend, but you are just the same as me. I really hate Ben. Is it okay to hit a teenager? I think it is in Ben's case. There's so much to unpack here, isn't there? Yeah, they're really, it's a very charged moment. A lot, a lot is said. Yeah, I mean, part, I mean, the thing I think that brings out your reaction is just his absolute minimization of what, what he did, which is he assaulted Charlie and there was no excuse for that. Yeah. He didn't just assault him, he was emotionally abusive towards him throughout their relationship. And here he's minimizing, he's making excuses, and he's following a really typical pattern of behavior for what people who abuse in their relationships do. And it's not acceptable. Yeah. And it's great to see Nick call him out on that. Oh, definitely. Like, it's totally ridiculous to claim that it's a misunderstanding. Like, in what world is that a misunderstanding is what happened, a misunderstanding? And then to say that it's just because he was going through some personal stuff. It's absolutely, it's ludicrous. You know, it really is. Is it common for abusers to minimize their actions or to try to shift the blame onto something or someone else? Yeah, it's really common. That's also my because as you know from season one, if you listened, my background is in working with um domestic abuse and gender-based violence and it's really common it's a really common strategy that abusers use to trap their victims in relationships is to minimize what happened to blame the victim to pretend it wasn't as much a big deal as it was yeah Um, and all of that contributes to the victim feeling unable to leave being worried about whether or not it's actually their fault and feeling just really unsure about what isn't isn't real it's that gaslighting kind of behavior yes that's right of, um, you didn't what what you saw happen with your own eyes isn't really what happens like that's what he's saying yeah you know i assaulted he assaulted charlie nick witnessed that but nick shouldn't trust his own eyes so it's very like playing with reality in a way that is really insidious um yeah so really really common i think they've portrayed it really well yeah. in terms of how that actually plays out and abusive relationships definitely and i know as an outsider like whenever we watch it on on yeah. screen uh, we can quite easily you can kind of 
identify and say, oh, I can't believe he's making excuses about that. But for victims of domestic yeah. abuse, it can be very hard for them to understand that that's what's happening. Absolutely. It's also sometimes it can be, you know, when you love someone, you care about them, you know, you don't want to accept that they've hurt you, they've done a horrible thing to you. And sometimes it can be easier to think, oh, well, it's my fault than to actually put the blame where it, where it belongs. Because if it's your fault, then you can do something differently. You can change your own behaviour to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Whereas when you get to the point of accepting, no, actually, you did this, this is your fault, then the only option is to end the relationship. And that's painful because there are feelings there. And that's what makes relationships be so complicated because there's feelings there. Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? And I, I know that it so can hard. take a long time for victims of abuse to build up the confidence to, to take that step to end the relationship. And it might take a couple of tries. You know. And you can, this behavior, you can see why that causes this because there is just that, you know, if you're trying to stand firm in a no, you abused me, no, you mistreated me, and you're consistently met with, no, that didn't happen. Yes. And when we think about that combined with the fact that abusers often isolate their victims, because what Charlie has got here is he's got Nick saying, no, that did happen, I saw it. But not everyone has that. So yeah. if you've not got other people around you to say, well, no, I've witnessed it, I've seen that, the way he treats you isn't okay then it's much harder to stand firm in your own knowing of what happened. Mm, yeah, for sure. What could people that are maybe in that situation do? I think reaching out for help is like the main thing to like speak to someone. So that might be speaking to like women's aid or another you know, domestic abuse service um, near where you live to actually talk it through and to be supported to understand what the behaviour you're experiencing is and what your options are in yeah. terms of removing yourself from it. It's so important sometimes at that moment of like getting someone else's perspective on what happens because for a long time it's just especially for Charlie because he's in a secret relationship that no one knows about. Yeah, he's not got anyone else's perspective on the relationship, and that's why this is such a game changer with Nick. Nick sees it. Nick says that's not okay. Yeah, and that supports Charlie to stay. Well, that's not okay. So I would really encourage anyone who's got concerns about their relationship to speak to someone else about it and just to be really honest mm. about what's happening. And I think sometimes people feel that reluctance of, I don't really want to tell anyone that happens. Yeah. And actually that in itself is a red flag that something may be not okay. Yeah. Because part of you knows that they're going to tell you it's not okay. Oh, we'll leave some information in the show notes about where you can get um, support or get some more information about, about relationship abuse or domestic violence. Absolutely. Should we talk about something a bit happier? Let's do it. After an argument with his brother, Nick sends Charlie a message to tell him about how bad his day has been. And they arrange to meet in the park. This is a really touching scene between Nick and Charlie. And it provides a much needed relief after that very emotionally charged scene between Ben and Nick. Let's have a listen to some of their conversation. Yes. Charlie. Press your chest against mine. Your hands are so cold. I'm always cold. Well, in that case. Thank you. There it goes. <laughs> I'm stealing this, just so you know. Oh, I know. <laughs> Do you want to go? You okay? Yeah, I just um 
just stressed about GCSEs. I'm definitely going to fail maths on Monday. Want me to help you revise? We can go for your notes together. As viewers were left with like this great impression of how connected they've become and how healthy mm -hmm. their relationship is. Like throughout this season, we just get that impression over and over again about how healthy Nick and Charlie's relationship is becoming. It's great to see how much has changed since the last time they met beside this tree back in season one. This is the same tree that they met. I think it was in episode six where they they're about to kiss and Nick kind of gets spooked by somebody else walking in the park. Mm. And whereas now they kind of kiss and embrace freely without looking around to see who might be observing them. Like it's a really lovely moment. That's what Heartstopper gives us. It's so beautiful. It's just these portrayals of relationships between queer young people that are healthy and happy and lovely. And it's such a palate cleanser after, you know, decades of sort of tragic tales of unhappy yeah. it's just beautiful to see that so these young people can have happy healthy relationships and intimacy and connection definitely and young people are watching that thinking well i can have that too yeah definitely and just to see how open and honest they are and how supportive they are of each other it's really lovely at the end of the scene, we're treated to some more iconic animation as Charlie walks home, he's scrolling through Nick's Instagram and he just looks really happy and he's surrounded by all the pride colours again. Like it's a really, a really touching moment. I just really enjoyed watching it, just seeing them in love and happy and having a nice time. And it felt very like they were, you know, the rest of the world was far away and it was just the two of them in their own yes, world. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's Lovely. it. We'll move on and talk about Elle and Naomi next. We have another happy moment when we yes. join Elle for a tour of the Lambert School of Art, this new college that she hopes to get into um, next year. And she meets Felix and Naomi, potentially two new friends. Let's have a listen to part of their conversation. I really hope I get it. I hope we both get it. We will. I'm speaking it into the universe. She's manifesting. <laughs> I just hate being at a regular school. Like everyone knowing you as the trans girl. Here I could just be Naomi. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I really do. I really love that moment between Elle and Naomi. In just a few seconds, in those few words, we get a real sense of what Naomi's experience has been like. And there's recognition there that so reminds us of why it's so powerful to be connected to people who've had similar experiences to us and who really understand at a deep level what we've been through. And that, I mean, certainly LGBT, that's the bread and butter of what we do is bring people together who've had similar experiences. And that feeling and what Naomi was talking about is that feeling of feeling normal not yeah. having to feel different all the time it's just so clear what she's craving um, and that's already Elle is starting to get that with Naomi that feeling of this person actually understands what I'm going through yeah. um, because she's going through it as well for sure it was a really touching moment and it kind of as you say like it's a real reminder of how important those opportunities are for queer teens to get together and share in those experiences because they don't get it in other settings so they like the youth groups that you run and all those other services that you offer are just so important absolutely being lonely in your own experience is such a horrible corrosive feeling 
And it's interesting, even though Elle has very supportive, very loving friends. Yeah. But she doesn't have anyone else who's the same as her. So, and she still has that need. She needs people who understand without her having to explain, without her having to say anything. Just someone who gets it immediately. And that's what she's finding already. And if that connection between them feels really instant. Yeah, I just, I, I love that whole experience. I thought it was great. Really, really good. Um, and I hope that we get a lot more of that in season three. We know that Elle gets accepted into the art college. Yes. And I hope we get... Spoilers! A- yeah <laughs> listeners have already watched the show at least three or four times <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah yeah so i can't wait to see more of these new characters felix and naomi great stuff should we talk about some teen angst some teen angst between tao and l i love some teen angst that's why i'm in the job <laughs> uh and tao in this moment tao pops around to l's unexpectedly to see how she is and to ask about her maths exam let's have a listen Was your maths exam okay today? No, Tao, you did not come here just to ask me about my maths exam. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, okay. I guess things have just been kind of weird lately. I, I mean, I've been a bit weird. So I thought I'd come over and see if you wanted to hang out this evening, but I guess you can't. I'm going out tonight with Naomi and Felix. We're going to a club that does under 18 nights. Club? Wow. I know. I might hate it. Maybe we could have that art day at the weekend or something. I don't know. Tao. Honestly, I'm kind of busy. Recently, I... You know, with GCSEs and finishing my application piece for Lambert, it... Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Sorry. No, it's nothing to be sorry about. Uh, I appreciate what they're doing. Like, they're building this kind of angst and drama, as you say, the friction before we get the fairy tale ending. I just want it to be perfect. It doesn't... um... Yeah. For me, it doesn't really feel very authentic. Like, I don't think this is how Elle would actually act or this is how Tao would actually act. But maybe that's just me. Like, I have this preconceived expectation of what was going to happen in the story arc. And um, I only feel this way because it's different to how I imagined it to be. Yeah, I think, like, in this episode, this extract, I was a bit more surprised by Elle's behaviour because I feel like she's a little bit harsh. Yeah, and a bit cold. Yeah, because he's clearly, like, trying to reach out in a way that feels quite vulnerable for him and he's yeah. kind of putting himself out there um, and maybe she just doesn't want to believe it and I do think there's a bit of that tension where you see her kind of moving into a new group moving into her new life Yeah, and there's that sense of his tire being left behind her definitely yeah definitely I feel so bad for him because that's a that's a difficult experience and in so a way difficult. that was a huge part of his story arc in the last season like El. L moved from um, their school to Higgs and he felt like their friendship group had had was missing yeah. that that part and it missing took him like, oh you're right yeah and it took him the whole season to kind of come to terms with it and now he's faced with it all over again yeah. and there's a real fear of change there and we can all remember that you know those close intimate relationships that you have at school and then you leave 
and some people move away, some people are left behind, and it isn't the same again. Like, it, you never go back to quite what it was like unless you all stay in the same place, which is so unusual. Um, but things do shift and change. And while that's exciting and brings new adventures, there's also loss there. Oh, definitely, definitely. And uh, later on in this episode, we kind of get a bit of the background into why maybe Tal feels like that loss is in a more heightened way. But yeah, it is. I guess I know why they've created this story arc. I don't know. It just seems a bit weird. You hate it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to say I hate it. I do kind of hate it. But it's actually kind of growing on me whenever I watch it more. But yeah, anyway. It's hard to watch. Yeah, and I'm kind of glad that if they were going to create drama in Ellen Tao's story, that they've chosen this to create drama about. It would have been so easy to create drama about their identities or, you know, things like that. So I'm really glad that they didn't do that. Yeah, that never comes up. Like, it never comes to town. There's no reservation that comes up of Tao not wanting to date a trans woman. And that's nice because it would have been really easy to make that the story. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I guess in TV, they need to create these kind of highs and lows. Otherwise, we don't go on that journey, you know. Anyway, should we talk about one of the lows in this episode? No. It's been like an emotional roller coaster so far. Yeah, a lot happens. Yeah, there is. There's a lot. There's a lot in it. Should we talk about Nick and David? Yes. David is Nick's very unlikable older brother. We skipped a moment earlier on when David took Nick's phone and started questioning him about who Charlie was, referring to the notification on his phone and assuming that Charlie is a girl. It's a very mixed gender name. Charlie could could be both, I guess. Certainly good. Yeah. In this moment, Charlie has called round to see Nick after his exam didn't go very well, his maths exam. And David meets Charlie for the first time when Nick is making a cup of tea. He uses that as, as his opportunity to go in and and speak to Charlie whenever Nick isn't there. Let's have a listen to what happens. Hi. Hi. What was your name? Sorry. I'm Charlie and you're... You're Charlie. Right. Um, I'm David, sorry. So I'm, I'm Nick's older brother. Yeah. <sighs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, and wh- where did you two meet? We're in the same form at school. I just want to stop it there for a second because it just struck me that David has planned this. He has planned this conversation. Like he's planned and he's waited to get Charlie alone so that he can go in and have this conversation with him. It's such a horrible thing to do. It's a horrible thing to do to both Nick and Charlie. It puts Charlie in a horrible position and he's really behaving harmfully towards his brother. Definitely. It's bullying. Definitely. It's horrendous. Anyway, let's listen to how the scene progresses. David. There he is. Um, I was just getting acquainted with um, with Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, we're busy, so you can go away now. You okay? Yeah. I just... You know, I, I just wanted to meet the guy that, you know, that turned my little brother gay. What? I mean, I should have always known you don't have to be gay, really. I'm bi, actually. And so what? I'm bi, actually. So, look, if you're going to be gay, at least admit you're gay. Oh, 
See, this is exactly why well, I didn't want to tell well, you. It's too late now. Oh, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm not allowed to be skeptical. No, your little brother is randomly. No, you're not. What? I knew you would be like this. Like what? Like a homophobic prick. Boys, what is going on? Why did you tell him about Charlie? I didn't, darling. Mum didn't tell me. You left a picture of you two kissing on your bedroom wall. Why do you keep going in my room? Come on, Mum. He's saying he's bi. I mean, what a load of absolute bullshit. David, please don't swear. He, he can't even admit he's gay. I mean, I, I bet you haven't told Dad yet, have you? <laughs> oh my God, imagine what Dad's gonna say. Such a, he's such a dick! I'm just being realistic. Right, boys, that is enough, David, in the kitchen now. Awful. What an awful exchange. It's so, it's difficult to listen to, isn't it? There's so much pain in it, and yeah, really horrible to listen to. Yeah, terrible. And he chose that moment. He saw the picture of them on the wall. He knows that they're a couple, and he chose yeah. this moment. And it, makes, it just brings up so much like the impacts on young people when they do have a family member who is unsupportive, who doesn't accept their identity. And of course, one of the biggest things that we hear here is David's refusal to accept next bisexuality. Oh, it's and ridiculous. That, like, that's not a real thing. You're not really bi. You can't admit you're gay. Like So many cliches repeated. Um, and what's amazing is that Nick really stands up for himself and reaffirms that that isn't who he is and that he's bi, not gay. It and is. That's okay. I, I love that too. Like whenever he says I'd buy actually, and he's very defiant about it. Like he's standing he with his it, arms crossed and he's so He says strong. it so many times in this season. He says I'd buy actually so many oh, times. I know. It's a real catchphrase. But they're making a real point about that, but actually that kind of invisibility of bisexual people, especially bisexual men. Um and yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's um it's interesting, like where do you think all this biphobia comes from? Because we get it like I'm bisexual and we get it from both sides of the communities, like yeah. both communities, from straight people and from gay people. It's almost like we're not straight enough to be straight and we're not gay enough to be queer, you know what I mean? Like it's it's really weird. Like where does it come from? I think people feel threatened by ambiguity. They don't like they don't like things that aren't black or white, that aren't binary. Yeah, okay, that's I think there's something about that that people find destabilizing, and so they reject it rather than accept that maybe the world isn't as simple as they yeah, want it to be. Yeah, yeah, it must be really hard, as you said, for young people who have brothers or sisters that aren't very supportive. You know, David. So um, do you think it's very common that, that that happens? That people like David exist in families. I think it's certainly not uncommon for people to have like at least one member of the family who doesn't accept them, and that. Of course, it has an impact. It's a huge thing, you know. There's Nick seems to be living under some fear. You didn't want to tell his brother because he knows that's that this right. is his reaction. And there's something about keeping secrets that I think has a terrible impact on people's mental health. They worry about if I come out to you, what will happen? Yeah. What will you say? Will I experience rejection? Um, rejection is painful, even if it's a family member who you have a difficult relationship with. Rejection can still be really painful. And what's nice in this scenario is that Nick's had such a wonderful experience of coming out to his mum. Yeah. That, that feels really protective and has like supported his resilience here. Definitely. Um, he's, really he's still really affected here and really distressed by it. And so is Charlie. Yeah, definitely. Even David going as far as to suggest how his dad might react whenever he comes out to his dad, you yeah. know, that in itself it causes a lot of anxiety. You know, for Nick, I'm sure to hear that is like, oh God, how how will his dad react? I know, and that fear, again, of being rejected by a parent, which is so, um, we need and want our parents to love us so much that the fear of being rejected by a parent is so um, destabilising. Yeah, I'm struck as well by um, David saying that Charlie was the boy who turned his brother gay. Oh, 
it's there's totally, yeah oh my god it's horrendous like what is there's that so much homophobia it's such a huge homophobic trope of you know your brother met this boy and then suddenly that made him gay <laughs> it's totally ridiculous it's totally ludicrous i swear to god yeah awful awful it must be really hard for young people who have somebody who's unsupportive or homophobic at home or transphobic at home because it's like if they both live at home it's not like they can avoid them they're there all the time they're there a lot that's where they spend their time well i mean some young people do choose to delay coming out when to time when they're not living with family especially and if, if you're worried about your safety so for some young people there might be a concern that if they come out that their parents will react really badly yeah. they might harm or be homeless and in that case you know maybe it is a wiser decision to say well I won't come out to my family until I'm away at college or university and living independently. Yeah. Um, but and I think but what we see in Heartstopper is just the importance of peer relationships as well. That if you have friends who friends who really understand you, friends who really accept you, that can make it a little bit easier. But there's no doubt that it's challenging. It's horrible to live with people who don't accept you. Mm, yeah, it must be really hard. Um, I guess like you mentioned the Nick had this great coming out experience with his mum yes. and it was beautiful and I guess they've kind of integrated some of these experiences just to highlight that not every coming out goes so well. Yeah absolutely loads of coming out experiences are really positive and wonderful and some of them are really difficult and both those experiences are true. Yeah yeah for sure for sure I feel quite sorry for Charlie like he definitely blames himself for what's happening here with Nick and then he goes home and has this awful run-in with his mum and um, Charlie I know really hard let's have a listen to what happened where have you been next I assume I thought we'd agreed that you're going to spend some time apart until you'd finished your coursework he was worried about his exams I just wanted yeah to I don't want to hear it you are grounded for the rest of this term and, and don't even think about sneaking out or you won't be going on the Paris trip Charlie. You want some dinner? No. I ate a Nick's. I'm sure Charlie must still be reeling after what happened to Nick's. And to come home and be confronted like that as soon as he comes in through the door must have felt really surprising in a way and really terrible. Yeah, and really unsafe. You know, he's come home from a horrible experience and he's coming home I guess he's coming away from an experience where he blames himself and then coming into an experience where people are angry with him yeah just like reinforcing all of that self-loathing and what's most noticeable here is that we see him you know start to reach out for an old coping strategy which is not eating yeah definitely definitely it's it definitely feels like what's happened with Nick and his brother at their house has kind of reactivated Charlie's trauma from when he was outed 100%. and um, whenever he was being bullied. Um, and again here, Charlie's mom, instead of checking in with him and his dad, um, they just assume that he's been at Nick's house or his mom just as assumes that he's been at Nick's and it's immediately confrontational. Like Charlie tries to speak and she immediately cuts him off and tells him that she doesn't want to hear it, you know? Yeah, he's not. There's no space for him. There's no space for him to actually say, "This is what just happened. This is how I'm feeling." Um, yeah, his mom doesn't give him that. Yeah, and that then curiosity. Even his dad at the bottom of the stairs, like that, would have been a good opportunity for him to ask. You know, is is everything okay? And um, but yeah, he doesn't. Anyway, what can you do? What can you do? 
part of me empathizes with Charlie's mom. Like he's he's been going through some shit at school, but at the same time, his behavior is out of character. It's not like Charlie to not do well at school and to not focus on his coursework. All they have to do is take that moment to check in. Yeah, she's clearly fearful that he's going through a rebellious stage, that he's going to throw his life away, but the way she's approaching it isn't giving him any space to talk about how he's feeling. Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely. And I know as a parent, like sometimes I forget that my kids have experiences that I don't know about. And, you know, they go into school and I really don't know what their day is like. So whenever we have arguments, as all families do, like families do have arguments. I always try really hard to remember that I don't know what their day has been like. And that could have something to do with um, their behavior or why they're acting out. So just taking that time to check in. Yeah, it's so important. It's so important. Just giving them that space because you're right. And the older your children get, the less you really know about what's going on in their lives and their inner world as well. Yeah, that's it. Because they don't they don't talk about it. You ask them how they are and everything's fine, but fine. often it's not the case. <laughs> Teenage grunting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about in that moment while I recover myself? <laughs> I've, I've now forgotten exactly what happened in the moment, but no, I, well, I think, yeah, we just feel for Charlie when we watch it, don't we? Because he's very much like very much alone now his parents don't know what's happened he doesn't I don't think he knows how to tell Nick about how what's happening is affecting him because he wants to support Nick he wants to make sure that Nick's okay actually as you rightly said it's also activated his trauma from the bullying that he experienced and how he felt about that and he blames himself for what's happening to Nick just layer on layer of distress for Charlie and he's just got no one to talk really talk to about it yeah, I know it's it's really hard, and that comes across in the next scene too, and um, where Nick and Charlie start to exchange message about messages about what happened. Um, Charlie gets up to his room and he and he sends Nick a message asking him why coming out is so complicated, and he goes mm. on to apologize for what happened, like he's totally yeah. blaming himself, and even going as far as saying that he should have stood up for Nick. You know, my heart really goes out to him in that moment because yeah. people are going to be mean, like homophobes exist you can't protect yeah. your partner from everything that happens to them you can and he's also he's almost blaming himself for just existing here because all he did was be there was be present in the space which triggered the incident he didn't do anything um so it's yeah. that like it's, it's that apology what's so heartbreaking is he's apologizing for being alive for existing yes. for, for being next boyfriend yeah let's have a listen to a voice note then next sends charlie Charlie, this is not your fault. I don't care what David thinks anyway. I mean, it was never going to go perfectly with everyone. Coming out to my mum was amazing. But there are still awful people in the world, like my brother. You know, when you came out. But I can handle it. I promise. Oh, as Charlie listens, he's surrounded by that dark cloud of stick figures that we got in season one. So this callback to a vision that Nick had in season one uh, when Charlie opened up to him about being bullied. Um, So this has definitely reactivated the trauma that he feels. And one of the things that really stood out to me is that actually, although Charlie has this strong group of friends, he doesn't feel like he can open up about those experiences yeah Yeah, he feels he feels very alone in them even though I think his friends probably would be happy to chat to 
him about all of that. He's clearly just really struggling and doesn't feel able to. And sometimes there can be something about talking about something and putting it into words that can make it feel real. And Charlie just really struggles to label. Yes. We, we never hear what happened and we never hear what he actually went through. Um, That's right. And it's hard to talk about and we clearly see him struggling. Definitely. And it comes up towards the end of the season. One of the great things that I loved about this season is how close Nick and Tao get. And it's very sweet. It is. And they talk about Charlie in, in episode eight and realize actually that Charlie hasn't opened up to either of them about it. You know, so um, that really stood out in this moment that Charlie's alone in his bedroom and he doesn't have anybody that he can talk to. Yeah, he doesn't. Or he does, but he doesn't feel able to. Yes, that's actually, that's right. You're right. That's right. Should we move on to the next bit? So when we cut to Tao, this is a Tao moment with his mum. And this moment was one of our top 10 moments in in the whole of season two. Um, He's scrolling through Elle's Instagram and zooming in on photos of Elle and Naomi. Like he really feels this anxiety about losing Elle. What's interesting actually is that I think that these three scenes of these real family moments have been deliberately juxtaposed in this episode so first we had nick and his brother and his mum then we had charlie and his mum and dad and now we've got this scene with tao and his mum after an earlier conversation tao's mum takes notice of how down he seemed and she pops in with some apples to check in on him and ask him how he is let's listen are you sad about l yeah kind of You remind me of me and Dad. What? Mum, that's so weird. (laughs) Well, he was the calm one, and I was the outspoken one. But when we were in the same room, it was like perfect harmony. And no matter what happened, we'd both be okay. So when we lost him, I felt so unbalanced. It was like falling off a cliff. So I understand if you're afraid of losing her, if she's growing up and moving on. Well, I'm stuck here. Same old towel. Same old towel isn't so bad. But if you're afraid of losing her, you have to fight to stay by her side. Yeah. Also, Elle's not dead, so there's that. <laughs> I really love that moment between Tao and his mom. It's definitely, definitely one of the highlights of the season for me. It's such a beautiful, tender moment, and she just clearly like really understands his son and has real insight into Hubby's feelings. So such a contrast from Charlie's parents who yeah. don't show much interest in his inner world and can't empathise or imagine what he might be going through. Tao's mum doesn't even have to ask. She can just tell she gets what it. his fears and worries are and you know, linking that to her own losses and how she can see. And she really takes seriously his fear of losing ill. People can be very dismissive of yeah. adolescent pain. Um, because we all look back at it in hindsight when it's over and we forget how heart-wrenching it is at the time, that fear of your friend leaving you behind, your friend moving away, moving on with their lives, living a life without you. He's terrified, he's distraught, and she yeah. sees the death 
has been about it. Definitely. It's a really beautiful moment. And as you say, she just knows, she gets what he's going through. She she makes an opportunity to go and have that conversation and to check in with him. You know, it's a such it's such a beautiful moment. And then we get insight into Tao's backstory and the root of his insecurity about his dad yeah. dying and leaving him. Yeah, exactly. It was really that beautiful, really unexpected. Like I didn't expect that we would get a moment like that with Tao's mum. Like even yeah. in season one, she was a real highlight for me because of how much she championed Elle. And now yeah. we just see how great a parent she is. It's, it was really nice. I love that scene. She's amazing. Let's do the next scene with Tao too, whenever he decides that he's going to take action. Oh, I love this bit. Let's have a listen. I like Elle, okay? I said it. And don't laugh. I bet you've all been laughing behind my back because I've been so oblivious. Honestly, Elle can do better. And she probably doesn't even like me back. And this is probably going to destroy our friendship. It's going to destroy our friendship group. And it's going to leave me devastated for years to come. So this is a really selfish and stupid thing to do. But I'm going to tell her. Help me. I love that moment with Tao. I thought it was really good. Really good. Finally, he's decided to take action. I loved it too. It's just this total obliviousness to how much Elle has felt for him <laughs> over yeah. time. And just the like depth of his like seriousness and his like he's such a like dramatic, like cat- catastrophic character where he's like, This yes. is my life, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I just love that energy. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it. And in a way it kind of <laughs> It kind of explained why Tao has waited so long to act on his feelings or why he's been so like reluctant to express affection towards Elle because yeah. he thinks it's going to destroy their friendship group. You know, he thinks that by by expressing this affection for her, that that'll be it. Their friendship group will be over. Uh, and the friendship group is so important to him. Yeah, definitely. I love the look on, on Isaac's face and on Charlie's face yeah. in this moment too. Like Isaac's like, oh my God, more drama. Like there's going to be more drama. And Charlie's like, what are you talking about? Like, where's all this coming from? It's really just good. like a bit bemused, but they're like, okay, like let's do it. Like, let's yeah. see, let's make a plan. They're they're For very sure. Supportive. For sure. It was really good. A really nice way to end the episode too, like on this real high, you know. And with yeah. a bit of anticipation for things to come. Thanks so much, Paula. That's our that's our top moments from this episode. What were yeah, your I'm- real impressions? Oh, I think the big thing for me is just like seeing those more depths to the character. And you know, we start to see kind of Nick's vulnerabilities in a way that we haven't really seen before. Yes, that's right. Which I really enjoyed. We see we're learning more about Charlie, about the ways that Charlie suffered and how his experience of bullying has impacted him. You know, yeah. the kind of L Tao story arc really comes to head here. So, you know, as I, as I rewatched it yesterday, I was really reminded of like how much is in here um, and how much yes. the, the writers really pack in in terms of that like rich characterization and yeah. yeah it's lovely some of the scenes in this episode were just jam-packed with stuff there was so yeah. much that happened absolutely it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster for me like it definitely reactivated some of my trauma um, yeah. but i really loved it i really loved the the episode do you have a favorite heartstopper parent like i think for me it definitely has to be tao's mum especially after that scene i just loved it so much Thank you. I am between Tao's mum and I do love Olivia Coleman in this as well. So but like Tao's mum is so insightful and gentle and like understanding and I love her like even as things progress, she never expresses any hesitation or concern about her son being in a relationship with a trans girl ever. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of parents would. And I think that shows how 
just how um, open-minded and loving she is as a parent. That she's uh, yeah. yeah, love whoever you want to, like love whoever you're in love with. Like she embraces like people's authenticity, and I think she, I think she's amazing. Definitely, definitely, I do love I do love her as a parent. Thanks so much, Paula, for um, sparing this time and coming along no and reliving episode two, as traumatic as it was. Um, <laughs> reliving episode two. The show wouldn't exist without partners like LGBT of Scotland, oh, and I know how big a here. commitment. Yeah, thank you. I know how big a commitment it is. I really, really do appreciate it. And I really appreciate you two listeners for tuning in and spending this time with us. We're really grateful. We've got listeners from all over the world and it makes such a big difference whenever you get in touch and tell us what you think. So do drop us a line at Proper Full and Gay Podcast on Instagram or Proper Full and Gay Podcast at gmail.com. And all there is left, Paula, is to say cheerio, say goodbye to everybody. It was lovely to see you again, Jamie, and lovely to be with all of your listeners. And I'll be glad to see you again in a few months, I believe. Yes, that that's right. Are you coming back in a few months? Yeah, Maybe I think soon. so. Oh yeah, you are. <laughs> unless, that's you, right. unless you change your mind, which is also fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're coming back for um, episode seven. You're going to be back yes. with us, I think, for episode seven, which I can't wait for. You see, that's how that's how messy today has been. I can't remember whether I'm coming. <laughs> don't, or you worry, don't you worry. Don't you worry. Thanks so much again, Paula, no and listener. Thanks. thanks to you too. And should we say bye bye to the listeners? Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Today's show is produced by Shut Up World with Paula Manners from LGBT of Scotland and me, Jamie Wilson. Copywritten material within this episode is made available to provide criticism, comment or review and to advance the understanding of issues which impact the queer community. For more information, please see our fair use and fair dealing statement at www.properfullongaypodcast.com.